Welcome to another episode of Arizona Real Estate Talk. My name is Michael Favreau, your host. Today we're going to be talking about how one person went from buying a single family home 10 years ago to now owning a small investment portfolio that expands globally um, and how they did it. They're going to share their story and walk us through everything. So I'm here today with Greg Young. Greg is with Sterling Fine Properties. He used to be on my team a few years back, so I know Greg for many years. And he uh, started buying, a. he bought his first property, what, five, six years ago? 10 years ago. Man, it's been that long. 10 years. Okay, 10 years ago. And, uh, and then he's kind of been rolling with that one and growing his investment portfolio ever since. So I wanted to have a chat with him and see how he did it and how he's doing it and see what's going on. So tell me a little bit about your story So tell me or your journey. Yeah, so 10 years ago, obviously here in Phoenix, uh, properties were pennies on the dollar back in 2010. Yeah, man, I wish I bought more. Oh, <laughs> uh, so do I, so do I. But luckily uh, for me, I missed my goal. I wanted to buy my first property in 2005. Uh, I wasn't ready, so 2010 came along. Pop properties were pennies on the dollar. Um, so I bought my first property to live in. Um, wasn't really thinking about rental portfolio at that point. So you bought it as a primary residence, I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah. Primary residence, little uh, townhouse in North Phoenix. Nothing uh, too crazy. Um, bought it for 114 grand. So you don't see those numbers around uh, Phoenix these days. No. Nope. Um, end up getting a dog, which I uh, love my dog. Um, fortunately, he passed away at this point. Wow. But um, he was the reason I actually uh, jumped into my next home because I wanted. Um, you know, him to have a backyard and um, just a little bit more space. Yeah. So I uh, bought that second home and then with the first home, I realized, why don't I just rent this thing out? The numbers penciled out and then I became a landlord and an investor right there. So So you kept the first, you kept the townhouse. So mm -hmm. let's back up a little bit here. You bought the townhouse with like an FHA loan, conventional loan, or did you do cash? Um, it was, I believe, an FHA loan. Okay. So very so minimum like down. So 3.5% down or something like that. Mm -hmm. That makes it easy to get into your first property. Um, that's nice with like the single, the not single family, the primary residence. You can put that low money down, save a lot of your cash, and then make updates to the property as you need to, uh, and then go when you move to your next property. So, how did you do your next property? Did you uh, buy that again as primary? Um, I did. So okay. um, I turned the first one into a rental. Yeah. Bought the second one as a primary, and the second one I got. Um, I'm very lucky. My parents helped me out with buying that one outright. Oh, cool. So okay. I'm not gonna lie and say yeah. you know nice. I. Uh, that yeah. helps, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, I think that one was 121 grand. So Man, the prices back then. I know they're just <laughs> stupid, but um, so yeah. So I got really lucky and very fortunate to have uh, you know uh, great parents that yeah. can help uh, you know me out and yeah. do the same thing for my siblings as well. Oh, cool. But um, so yeah, so that made it real easy. Obviously, not having a, a mortgage on the one that I was living and then getting yeah. some cash flow from the first one. Yeah. Um, that's when I thought, oh, real estate's easy. You know, this Super, is a yeah. piece of cake. No problem. Um, just yeah. get money from your parents and just buy whatever sure, and then cash yeah. flow everything. That, yeah, that's right. Easy. Doesn't everybody do that? So, <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I got into my second home, and then after that, um, kind of went on and on, and you know, uh, used more loans uh, moving forward to buy you know the next property and the next one, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, for sure. So the first property, so now it's a rental. You're a landlord. Did you manage it yourself? In the beginning, I did. Yes. How was that? It was interesting. I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually had two tenants in there, and over the three or four years. One of them was a former uh, dancer. So oh. interesting story. She put a uh, stripper pole right where I used to eat, you know, dinner and watch TV. Um, so I told her, <laughs> as long as you're not running a business out of here, it's fine. Really fine. Don't damage the ceiling. That's yeah. fine. 
Um, you as know, long as you pay your rent. Exactly. And, I was being very respectful yeah. you know, of the contract and yeah. everything, but interesting story. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I managed it myself and um, you know, it was a little frustrating sometimes collecting the rent and hearing the, I don't have the rent on the first and those stories. Yeah. Um, but eventually when I had more uh, properties, I gave them over to a property manager and then just let uh, them deal with all the headaches. Let them deal with it. Just manage the manager. And yeah. Because you, know, you can write most of that stuff off anyway. I mean, talk to your CPA, obviously, but sure. a lot of that stuff is are all taxable or, or sorry, not taxable, non deductible uh, items on your tax. So yeah, and it just made my day a lot easier. So well, yeah, having a professional manage it, and I just you know check it with him in with them every once in a while. So you're living in the single family house. Did you buy it? Was it like a, a distressed property that you bought, or was it? Um, it wasn't distressed. It just needed a lot of new flooring and then a few other little things. So probably so like five, five, seven grand. So you, okay. So you put some updates into it, lived in it for a few years. Um, yeah, like two, two and a half years. Um, and then that's during that time I met my wife. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, she moved in pretty quickly and then we decided to, uh, move on. Keep yeah. that one as a rental. So that would be rental number two. So again, two. just adding, adding to your portfolio. Yep. With primary residence is what it sounds like. Yeah, Which exactly. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so then just moved on, moved to another property, and then um, and that that other property, you actually moved like ten doors down from me. <laughs> I did, yeah. Ironically <laughs> enough, was funny. <laughs> yeah, so it made poker night a lot easier. But, oh yeah, um, for sure, that was cool. Yeah. Um, so then you bought that one there again as a primary residence, moved into that one, and then flipped the other property into a rental. I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Yep. Cool. And you still own both those properties? No, you have uh, just the one property, I think, right now. Right? Yeah. So I have, still have the second property. I sold the first one, and then I end up doing a 1031 exchange with that one. Um, which I'm sure we'll get into and talk yeah. about. So 1031, I mean, I'm sure everyone's wondering what 1031, what are these acronyms here? I know what, kind of what it is. You've done a lot of them. Um, so what is a 1031 or 1031 exchange? So maybe give a basis on that. Sure. Yeah, I'll give you the basics. Um, so a 1031 and obviously talk to your CPA. Um, but a 1031 is basically when you sell a property and then you defer paying taxes, you can use all the money that you um, took in from that one property to move forward to another property. And there are some stipulations and rules, which I can go yeah. over the basic rules. I don't want to get yeah. too far into the weeds, but yeah. Um, so for example, say you um, sell a property and then um, the proceeds that you receive are 50 grand from the property and you have, uh, let's say, make it easy, $50,000 mortgage on the property. Mm-hmm. The new property that you buy has to have at least a $50,000 mortgage or more. And you have to roll in that $50,000 of equity into that new property. And that makes your, that means you don't pay the tax on that original investment when you sell it. It just defers it to the next property. Yep, just kicks the can down the road and then your CPA can figure out all those fun numbers when you decide to sell. Cool, okay, so (laughs) basically, so the cool thing about that is that you're not, you can still upgrade properties or buy more properties or sell one and move that money without paying that tax on it to the next property is kind of like the gist of it. Yep, yeah, exactly, it's called uh, swap till you drop. If you can That's wrap cool. your head around that, swap till you drop. Swap till you keep swapping <laughs> properties until you, um, you know, pass away, and then and that yeah. kind of helps you kind of get to the bigger, bigger properties. You know, you start off small, and it's kind of like a big snowball. You just yep, you flip, you sell one, you move to a bit bigger, a bit bigger, a bit bigger, and as the equity keeps growing, you just keep moving it on to the bigger and bigger properties until you own like a, I don't know a high rise or something. Or yeah, that's own. the plan. Cool. Okay, so you bought so you bought the the third house now, and you're renting out the other two. What's the, what's next? What was next after that? Um, so actually, in between there, um, I bought a property. Um, it's in a um, probably like a BC class area. Um, mm-hmm. I bought it for forty five grand. Okay. Um, a small little townhouse, and it's actually been probably like my best investment. Um, really? Yeah. Um, it cash flowed really well. I bought it um, with money from a home equity line of credit. So. 
So which, you pulled out home equity uh, equity out of which home? The second uh, home? Out of the second home, yeah. Okay. So I um, wrote a check for 45 grand to myself, then found this property, um, put a tenant in there, and it's um, it's a lower rent, but percentage-wise, it's probably the best return that I've had. Yeah. Um, and then I think right now it's probably doubled in value, even though, Whoa. I mean, started off at 45 grand, so doubling it, it's probably worth about 100 now. But, yeah. Still, doubling um, your investment, I mean, for such a small investment and ca having it cash flow right off the bat, I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. And the tax benefits. Yeah. And, 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 you had a and there was a tenant already in there, I believe, right? Yeah, I inherited a tenant, um, and they were there for a couple of years, and then now there's just one other tenant in there. So, um, yeah, can't complain about that property. And no, um, yeah, that price point again is just you know silly yeah. for Phoenix back in fourteen or fifteen when I bought that place. Okay, cool. So then you so you bought that property there, and then you're also a realtor, so you've also been helping clients, you know, buy and sell and doing all that fun mm -hmm. stuff. So you're always coming across deals and. Different investment properties. You're always looking at strategies. I'm assuming. Of course. What um, What happened after that? So now you have townhouse, single family house, the one you're living in, and uh, townhouse, right? The other one. Yes. So two townhouses and a single family that you're renting out. So you literally went from one property that you bought in 2010 10. to four, mm -hmm. and now we're in what 2015? Yeah, 2014, 15. 15? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I did was I actually sold that first property. Um, and I 1031 into a fourplex. Okay. Um, which, you, you know, so you sold the first townhouse, right? Yeah. The first okay. townhouse, my and first then, primary. Yeah. And, and yeah. then you turn, you 1031 that one into a fourplex. Okay. Into a fourplex in uh, the East Valley here in Phoenix. Um, so yeah, that was my first 1031 experience. Um, very cool. I asked a lot of questions obviously to make sure I yeah. knew what I was doing. Cause if you, uh, you know, if you screw up, the IRS is uh, not very forgiving. Nope. So, um, so what made you go to a fourplex? Um, it was just multi-family. It was just one of those strategies that I was uh, reading about. I wanted to go a little bit bigger, but um, I got a little scared, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to stay under four. Um, financing for four is, you know, obviously still conventional, so that's easier to qualify for. Yeah. Um, and I found this deal in Mesa, uh, Mesa, Arizona, and everything just kind of fit. And um, financing was great. Tenants were there. Um, so, so you yeah. bought that one with four, with four tenants already in the property. Yep. Wow. Was it? Um, did you find the cash flow on that property there higher than a, like a single family with just one tenant? Yes, for sure. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I think that one was cash flowing probably like eleven or twelve hundred dollars a month, um, and that's with a mortgage and everything. It wasn't you know just paying cash. So your so your rate your, your rate of return was much higher. Yeah, yeah, a lot of much higher. Just because you can scale and yeah, even for repairs, you know, there's one roof, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. one landscaper for four properties. Scalability is key with uh, you know multifamily. I'm assuming by now you've had a, you hired a property manager, right? Yes, that the fourplex okay. was the, <laughs> that was the trigger for me to hire a property manager because I couldn't handle seven or eight tenants. No, that's with my phone number. So no, that's crazy. And then you don't want to be dealing with toilets and broken shower heads and all this stuff at three in the morning when they decide to call you because that's the right time. Yep, and that's exactly. When everything goes wrong. Um, so so you have so you ten thirty one into this fourplex. Which is now, I'm assuming that's going to be cash flowing a lot more than than that townhouse was. Yes, for sure. And then you took the equity from that property since now we've, it's been a few years that you've owned it. The market's obviously improved. That's awesome. So where are you at now? What do you have now? What do you got going on now? Um, so actually, I'm in the middle of uh, my second 1031. I sold okay. that fourplex that we were just talking about and um, 1031 into two uh, single family homes in Florida. Okay. Um, they're brand new builds. So that was kind of appealing to me because... No AC issues, no roof issues, probably for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and then they build a warranty, all that good stuff. Yeah. But um, it's in the Orlando market, and I studied uh, the Orlando market pretty well. A few other areas, but I landed on Orlando just because the demographics were 
Um, we're really good. A lot of people are moving there. Jobs are there. Yeah. Older people, you know, migrate yeah. there from you know New York and the East Coast and everything. So. And were price points lower there? Um, for new builds, yeah, they okay. two hundred grand for a new build. Wow. Four okay. bedroom, two bath. Man, that's about crazy. you know fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred square feet. Yeah. I mean, you can still find those here. They're way out in the outskirts, but yeah, that's that's awesome for Orlando. Yeah, and for brand new, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And I figured I'd diversify a little bit with market too, just in case. Phoenix kind of, you know, slowed down or did something. Slows down a little bit. You know, yeah. maybe Florida will hold its value or keep on going up. Yeah. So a little diversification within real estate. So you bought those two. And are they, did you, there obviously weren't tenants in those ones because they're brand right. new. Yeah, exactly. So you found tenants for those ones. Um, so yeah, the property manager out in Florida, they found a tenant for the first one and I'm actually closing on the second one today. So that'll, Oh, sweet. Oh, wow. That'll kill the 1031 and good timing though. Nice. Yeah. Perfect timing. So you got that one all, uh, all you're going to get that one all wrapped up as well. Yep. So in total now, how many properties do you own? Um, so five single families and then um, we invested in two syndication deals as well as a passive investor. Okay. So... Let's talk about that. What's it, one, what's a syndication deal? Because I don't even know what that is. Okay. So <laughs> syndication is when, let's say you have, uh, you know, want to buy a $2 million property, but yeah. you can't come up with a financing. Okay. Um, so legally, you come up with maybe 10 friends that come up with the down payment. Um, obviously, there's a lot of structure to the deal, but that's basically the gist of, you know, you're, it's not just you investing, it's you and your friends or you and your business partners coming up with the down payment and you syndicate a deal to basically do something bigger and better than you can do on your own. So it's basically getting a group of investors to buy a property instead of buying it on your own. Yep. And they all, they're also uh, under other syndications where you don't have to just have your friends, right? Like I'm sure there's ones that people are looking for a hundred investors or 200 investors. Yep. Exactly. Bigger deals. And that's okay. how I get into these two deals. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so you got one in Belize and the other one was in Kansas. Kansas. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's talk a couple of seconds in Belize because that's like out of the country <laughs> sure. into a tropical paradise. Yeah. What, how nice. did that one come together? <laughs> so that one came together actually through a uh, podcast I was listening to uh, oh, no real kidding. estate guys. Okay. Um, and the host of that podcast, he's a, uh, super successful and he has a billion dollar development down in Belize. He's been down there for I think 13 or 14 years. So yeah. he knows the market. Everybody knows him and yeah. he's very successful. Um, I think he's actually the number one, uh, how do I say it? Like uh, number one employer in, yeah. in on the island anyway, because he gives so many jobs to the, the developments and the hotel staff and everything. So oh, he's, wow. okay. he's a big deal. Um, Crazy. So me and my wife went out there over the summer. We always want to go there just to hang on the beach and, yeah. you know, Taking that paradise. Uh -huh. So we coupled that with a trip. Um, and long story short, we met a couple of his students who were doing a syndication deal. Uh, met with them, vetted them out a little bit. And um, yeah, wrote that check. And now we're investors in Belize. That's crazy. Okay, so you, I know the second thing you, uh, you touched on was active and passive investing. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into that a little bit here. What's the difference? Between an act I'm assuming an active one is one you're actively involved in and what a passive one is you're passively involved in. But I want to dive a little bit deeper than just like the two words. Sure. So let's go. So one when you consider when you when you consider yourself an active investor a passive investor on those two obviously you're passive mm -hmm. so what does that what does that entail so yeah so passive is basically um you know you're not um putting the deal together you're not you don't have the mortgage necessarily um you basically write a check you trust the person that you wrote that check to um you obviously um follow up with them make sure the deal is moving forward that kind of thing but you're not actively involved in you know the demolition or the construction or that's their job. Um, your job is to basically just make sure they're doing their job and seeing your returns that they're promising. So you're basically giving them money and then getting a percentage return on a monthly, quarterly, yearly basis or whenever that project is finished. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
And then what's an at what's what would be considered an active investor? So active, I mean, it ranges from a lot of things. Obviously, wholesaling, flipping, um, even buy and hold if you're managing your own properties. Um, if you're carrying your own mortgage, I would consider that pretty active because you want to make sure you can make make that mortgage payment every month. Yeah. And, um, so there's a lot of different ways on the active side, but it just depends on um, kind of your philosophy and what you want to do. And I like to do a little bit of both. So active is more you're actually actively involved. You're buying the property, you're sourcing the property, you're getting the mortgage under your name or your company name, you're doing the renovations or GCing it or having a prop project manager manage it, but you're mm -hmm. actively doing the actual work involved in the right. return. Um, so with active though, you could have a passive investor with an like you can be the active investor and have passive investors oh, sure. involved, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So there they would just be the money pretty much or the Yep. Yeah, yeah, money pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of uh, like a lot of high income earners, they just want to write a check, and you know they don't want a mortgage, yeah. they don't want to deal with a property manager. That's great for passive investing. So. And that's uh, that's what I'm working with right now with a couple of my clients on uh, on our flips. We're doing. I have a couple of passive investors where they don't want to have anything, no involvement in the actual construction, the project management, you know, picking out floor tile and what we're doing <laughs> on the flips. It's here's some money. I trust you. Go find me. Go find a property. Go bring me this return and bring me the and and return my money with some more soldiers coming back or more money coming back, basically. Mm -hmm. So as Kevin O'Leary would say, yeah, <laughs> um, sends out his soldiers and wants more soldiers coming back. That's right. So, um, so yeah, I, I've worked with that with those people quite a bit, which is great because the the best thing is all they care about is their return. So they don't care about the floor tile, and I get to use my expertise in design and figure out you know what what is going to perform better in certain markets or certain areas of Phoenix and Scottsdale or wherever um, that are going to perform or give the best return where I've had other clients that want to, you know, they tell me, go find me a fix and flip. And I find them one and they're like, okay, I'm like, this is what we, this is what you need to do for this area. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go this other route. And then they <laughs> go pick out these God ugly tiles or they paint it a weird color because it's their taste. And it's like, Hey, you need to, you need to focus it for the market, not for right. what you like. Yep. This market doesn't, this area doesn't support what you're looking for. So yeah. that's a, I mean, that's a good tip, you know, being, if you don't have that vision or whatever, you can be a passive investor as well, not just always being active. Right. So I guess what's next? Where, uh, where are you looking to do next? I mean, you've got all these properties. Are you looking to keep continuing to grow your rental portfolio or is that it for you or what's kind of the next phase? Um, yeah, definitely want to uh, keep growing the portfolio. Um, I want to have a good balance of like we're talking about passive and active, um, but probably more on the passive side, honestly. I like uh, kind of passing the ball a little bit and giving it to uh, someone I trust and uh, freeing up my time to do other things and, you know, be a realtor or, you know, do whatever I want to really. Just live, so, right? <laughs> yeah, live a good life, you know. It's, life is short, so I might as well live it up. Exactly. So, um are you looking at single family stuff still? Or are you kind of what's your what's your next purchase? You think? Um, yeah, some single family, um, maybe um, an assisted living facility as well, which I know we kind of talked about um, yeah. uh, off the air a little bit. But, um, but yeah, maybe get into that as well. Um, so I don't know. I got a few different roads I can go down, but they're all going to lead to the same uh, retirement plan or whatever you want to call it. But, and are you looking for more cash flow, or are you looking for just growth in the actual portfolio, like growth in the um, equity on the properties, or both? Or like, what's kind of what's um, your what's your secret sauce? What are you looking for right now? Cash flow, um, just so I can kind of scale down maybe my realtor business a little bit, um, enjoy life, and then kind of uh, really jump into real estate investing more full time. Um, and then long term, yeah, definitely want to build a you know be wealthy, not just rich. So yeah. I want to have. Uh, healthy portfolio that kicks off some cash flow, but also in uh, good appreciation markets and 
um, you know, I can pull money out and kind of play that, play, play Monopoly in real life, you know? So what do you, let's talk about this maybe for a couple of minutes. What do you look for when you're looking for cash flow? I mean, everyone says, I want cash flow. What, well, what does that mean? Like what actually, like, what are you actually looking at when you see a property? What do you, how are you breaking that down and seeing what it cash flows? What's good cash flow? So for a single family, um, when I'm buying a property, I'm trying to get like two to $300 a month off of uh, cash flow. And the way I, um, you know, kind of back into that number is um, obviously take all the expenses, mortgage, um, depending if you're paying utilities or not. There was kind of a lot of factors. Um, I just created a real simple spreadsheet that I just plug my numbers into. And I'm sure if you Google, you can find some other spreadsheets as well. But um, for single family, that's kind of what I look for. Multifamily, it's a little bit uh, different, more uh, more complicated, but um, it kind of goes down to um, you know cap rates and cash on cash return and all that. So you're not um, actually so on your on your cash flow, you're not really looking for like an actual percentage. Like I know a lot of people look at you know a certain percentage they want to make sure. Or for you, it's like a couple if I'm cash flow a couple hundred bucks, you're good with that. Yeah, for the most part. Um, okay. I mean, when it comes with when it comes to uh, single family and buy and hold, usually like the one percent rule comes in. Okay. So if you buy a property for you know one hundred fifty thousand dollars. You generally want to uh, bring in rent of fifteen hundred dollars per month. Okay, that's a really good. You know, if the, it's a good starting point, if those numbers work, then you can move forward. If it's less than the one percent, it still might not be a bad deal. But for cash flow wise, it's not the strongest deal in the world. It might be a good appreciation market. Okay. Um, if it's above that one percent, then um, that's a really good cash flow deal. But you're probably not going to get that appreciation. So, just depend and depends on you know what market you're in and every market is uh yeah is different and tailored to different things and i know in our market here finding one percent deals are a little bit more difficult to, to come by um but a lot of the times a lot of people what they're doing is they're buying homes that need a little bit of work mm -hmm. um or you know when some updating here and there they're adding that equity that value um the sweat equity and then they are able to get those sometimes 1% or even higher than 1% returns. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, the nice thing about living in Arizona is that we have the short-term rental market as well, the Airbnbs, which we talked a little bit about on a previous podcast. Um, so you're definitely getting 1% on those, if not much more. So that's right. always nice. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, again, just kind of depends on the market. And um, if you're not afraid to go to a different market, I know some people want to only invest in their backyard. That's, you know, there's no right or wrong, but... Um, I'm not afraid to go to a different market and kind of uh, search out those 1% uh, deals. Those so. 1% deals. Mm -hmm. um, so you said something about a cap rate. What One, what is that? So cap rate, um, so basically it's capitalization rate. Um, it's it's a way to evaluate multifamily on a very high level, I guess. Um, it doesn't take into account your financing. But um, let's say if you said a, this, this property has an 8% cap rate, that's basically your return without any financing in place. Okay. So if you have financing at 4%, your cap rate's at 8%, there's your gap right there. But That's your percentage that you're making. That's your percentage, yeah. Because if you have different financing than me, then the numbers would be all over the place. And exactly. You couldn't spit out a cap rate. Exactly. So what's like, what's a good cap rate? What would be, in your for your investing, what are you looking for for a cap rate when you're looking at multifamily? Um, so right now, um, probably like seven, eight percent would be would be good. Um, anything more than that would be great. Yeah. Um, I know in Phoenix, a lot of multifamily is like right around five percent or yeah, even lower sometimes. Yeah. So um, those. It just depends also on like the, the typically the lower the cap the cap rate, the lower the risk. Uh, yeah. Higher the cap rate, the higher the risk. I've seen that before. Yeah, there's different ways to kind of look at it and evaluate yeah. it. So, um, but cap rates just kind of like a basic. Um, basic number to look at and then you really have to dive into you know the logistics, the logistics and if it's value-add like you said or if it's turnkey and 
And every deal is going to be different. Every property is going to be different. So we're looking at all these things and looking at how can I add value? You know, what are my returns? What's my risk? What's my reward? And then evaluating every single property on an individual level, obviously, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. A lot of moving targets, a lot of factors. So yeah. that's the fun about real estate, though. It's uh, not cookie cutter for sure. No. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me with me, uh, talking with me today. I can't, my, uh, my tongue is all tied up. <laughs> Thanks for uh, coming out and uh, sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I know you've done a lot of different things and have a lot of moving parts. So it's just interesting to see how you can go from one single family or one townhouse to now like an investment portfolio that is nationwide and almost worldwide. I mean, you have a property, exactly a property in Belize. So that's super cool. <laughs> so that's awesome to hear. So, I mean, if you can do it. I mean, a lot of people can do it. It's just one getting out there listening and learning and finding out where the deals are, talking to people, and just kind of educating yourself. But and it doesn't require a lot of money here, does it? No, you can use other people's money. Obviously, um, you know, banks' money, friends and family money. So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And uh, yeah. like you said, education is the first step of where I'm getting of anything. Is, you don't need to be rich. You just need to work and make that money move smarter. Work, make that money work for you, not just um, you know, not just saying, oh, I, I don't have a two hundred thousand dollar a year salary, so I can't buy all this stuff. Well. You're using the equity in the properties. You're moving that money around. You're making it work. You're buying it low. You're having the appreciation. You're moving and then you're selling with the 1031s. You're getting all that gain and putting it into the next property and just kind of growing and it snowballs from there. Yeah, exactly. So like you said, anybody can do it and yeah. um, take some time and effort and knowledge, but everybody can do it. Well, that's the end of our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, thanks again, Greg, for being here and uh, sharing his story. We'll catch you on the next one next week.